January 2nd, 2024. This morning's class is dedicated by Eddie and Sophia Rishti in honor of the birth of their baby girl. We're in Masechet Vavakaman, Yod Amud Bet. If you count from the top of the Amud downward, it's 17 lines down. The first word on the line is Vetu. And if you recall, the Gemara, and we're wrapping up that conversation, is still commenting on the Mishnah, where the Mishnah told us there's situations, or a situation, where you can be machshir, you can prepare, be mezamen, miksat nezek, a partial amount of what will bring ultimate uh, damage, and nonetheless be obligated to pay entirely. And what's the case? Well, the Beraita defined for us, it's the case where an individual initially uh, dug nine tefahim in a pit in a bore, and the next person digs just one tefah. Under such circumstances, the second person would be liable to pay entirely. What the Gemara has been doing is challenging that throughout, questioning vetu leka. Is there not more? Leka means not. Vetu means odd. Is there not more? Is there not more? What about this case? What about that case? Etc. And so here says the Gemara again, vetu leka vehaika. Is there not another case? Are there not more circumstances that we can attribute to those words in our Mishnah? What about the following famous Beraita? Hikuhu asara bene adam be'esem maklot ben bebatahat ben bezeahaze umet. If 10 men uh, gang uh, killed an individual by surrounding him with clubs, either all striking at once, or one after the other, according to the first opinion, the Hachamim, Kulan Peturin, all ten of them are exempt from death penalty. Uh, well, if it happened all at once, as Rashi explains to us, if they all struck one, two, three strike, well, we understand, nobody knows, it's impossible to determine exactly who uh, leveled the last blow or who was most involved. After all, they did it all at once. If they do it even one by one, it'll be a derasha from Pasuk that we read yesterday from the Gemara Masech Sanhedrin and Dafa'in Het, that the Pasuk describes striking Ishkiyake Kol Nefesh Adam. The understanding of the rabbis is your doing is, so to speak, taking the whole life of the person. If the nine people <coughs> who preceded you took nine tenths, quote unquote, of his life, then you're not liable. That's the opinion of Hachamim. They're not going to be significant for our conversation because what we're talking about in our Mishnah is where you are liable. According to Hachamim, whether it's Bezea, Harzeo, Bevatachat, one after the other, or all at once, you're patur, you're not going to be liable for death penalty. Rabbi Udab ben Betera Omer, here's the dissenting opinion, that of Rabbi Udab ben Betera, he's the opinion we're going to pay most attention to for our purposes. He said, Bezea, Harzeo, Ha'aharon, Hayav, Mipene, Statement of Rabbi Uda ben Betera, in contrast, goes like this. It says the last one, when they struck one after another, he's the one who's liable for death penalty. Why so? Because we look at him and we say, you did take the final part of his life. You brought forth quicker his demise. The fact that your strike brought the ultimate death to him means that you're liable. And he too is Doresh from the same pasu, kol nefesh. Instead of reading it as the whole soul, he reads it as kol shehu, any part of the soul of a person. Okay, the details, the mechanics notwithstanding, what emerges then is that according to Biudah ben Betara, even though the tenth person only took one swing, or at the very least didn't take all the swings that brought forth 
the demise, the death of this person, he's nonetheless liable. Isn't that a great case for our Mishnah? After all, that's what we're talking about in our Mishnah, where I was machshir, just a partial amount, and nonetheless, I'm obligated entirely. Says the Gemara, well, before says the Gemara, what are we talking about with regards to the strikes, the blows that they gave? In other words, how much force, how much power did each guy, each individual, who, each thug have as he struck this person? If you take a look quickly at the Tosafot on the right-hand side, and we'll contrast it at the conclusion of the sugya with uh, what could have been, Tosafot Kulan Peturin explains, The circumstance, situation must be, says Tosafot, that even <coughs> the first man who took a strike, uh, took a swing at this uh, person who died, his blow, his uh, swing, was strong enough and potent enough that it could have killed. It happens to be that it didn't. His aim wasn't 100% in place. The person muscled up in that moment, whatever it is. But it must be that each one of those people, when we're talking about them, strikes him. They strike him. They're not just warming up over here. They all took full force strikes. Why so? Because if any of those first ten, nine... Uh, certainly the first one, but uh, by, by extension, any of the next uh, eight, if they don't have full force on their swings, mm-hmm. even according to the Hachamim who disagree with Rabbi Udab ben Betera, you would say they were all getting him warmed up. It's only the final person who actually gave a strike that could have taken his life. You follow? In other words, they're citing from the Gemara in Sanhedrin and Dafa'in Het, where we flesh this out, but the idea being that each one of the people really gave a strike, got into this person in a way that, in a technical sense, it was possible that he would have died from that strike, from that blow. If it wouldn't be so, then we would say, of course, the last person's Hayav. Each one of the initial people didn't really lay into him in a way that could have made them liable for death penalty. They didn't strike him in a way that we would have objectively imagined he would die. Right, that's significant because uh, we're, we're trying to get get the scenery over here and we'll contrast it at the end. Yeah. What's the fact that the guy didn't die with regards to damages to the nine guys, or ten guys for that matter? I mean, what sort of damages are we paying for? His clothing, his legs. Oh, if he didn't. If he didn't die, but he got damaged. Now you can argue the same thing. The first guy just gave him a black and blue. The second guy broke his leg. You know. Remember, they all used clubs. They all used clubs. There's a question about that. A question about whether it needs to be all. What if they use all the same club? No, but it's separate, separate question. It's not going to answer his question. His question is: What if they didn't kill? What if they didn't kill this individual? And uh, yeah, I mean, each one of them. If we can appraise how much they were involved, we're going to equally. Um, separate their obligations. I know it's a. Correct. Equally liable. Keep in mind the only reason. One second. I'll tell you why, because it works against you. Um, and the reason is because we have a pasuk only by death that tells us that uh, that, that an individual who takes the cold nefesh. The reason we didn't bring that case because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the opposite. We're looking for a case. No, no, we're not just quoting cases in the Gemara. We're looking for a case that will match up with our Mishnah. You did partial damage and you're obligated for the full damage. The halakha over here would be... No, no, that's no, exactly the partial, you, you did partial da- damage towards death. Right. And then the other person, in the other cases, nine people damaged, the 10th person 
But the halacha would be in such a circumstance that they're equal, that they're, uh, everyone's obligated. As a result, doesn't match up. We'll bring a case where, the, according to the Bildab and Mitera, only the last one would be obligated. There, it, it would work very much logically. If each person struck in a way that they damaged, and actually did damage, each one pays for that. Says the Gemara, the reason we didn't bring this as our case for explaining the Mishnah is because Biketala la kamayere. Mayere means to take place, Ketala means death. We're not talking in our Mishnah about death, liabilities. We're talking, about in our, talking in our Mishnah about damage, liabilities, and compensation. So it's true, I'm not going to de- deny the fact, I'm not going to negate the point that you brought a case where according to the the final person is obligated even though the initial nine-tenths were not by him. But nonetheless, that's not what we're talking about. I'd rather bring up a case, which our Mishnah seemed to be talking about, and that is of the pit, where we're talking about damage, not per se about death penalty. V'iba'it ema, says the Gemara, v'iba'it ema, and if you want, you can say, in other words, a different answer, v'pluktala kamayire. It's true, our Mishnah may have been talking about death penalty as much as damage. However, this would emerge as a mahloka. This is a disputed point. After all, the only one who maintains that man number 10 is obligated and not 1 through 9 is Rabbi Uda ben Betera. We'd rather, in our Mishnah, be talking about a position which is unanimously agreed upon. If over here it's a matter of dispute, it's an argument, Rabbi Uda ben Betera has one opinion, Chachamim disagree. That's not what we're talking about, says the But wait a second, your second answer, you told me it's because you want a matter which is unanimously agreed upon because you wouldn't bring up a case that's disputed? One second, have you forgotten? Did you forget that our case of the nine tefahim and the tenth tefah in the pit, in the board, is really a mahloket? That's only according to the opinion of Hachamim. Rabbi, if you recall, disagreed. Rabbi's opinion was that every one of the people is obligated. Oh, that being the case, I don't like your answer. I can't understand your answer. Your answer is the reason we felt it's inappropriate, it's wrong to attribute the case in the Mishnah to this, where it's the death penalty for man number 10, is because it's only Bildab and Betera, and the Hakamim disagree. It didn't really help that in your case, because in your case as well, there was a disagreement. There was only Hakamim and not Rabbi. Says the Gemara, okay, there's a difference between majority view and minority view. According to our reading of the Mishnah, the 10th person is obligated for what happens, damages, or death to the animal after the 10th tefah. Whose opinion is that? Hachamim. Hachamim, mainstream opinion, majority opinion. Okay, we're okay that there's a dissenting, a different view over there. According to this, if you were to attribute the Mishnah to this case of the gang uh, b- brutal uh, killing, whose opinion is it? Biudah ben Betera. That's the minority view, not like the Hachamim. That's not what we're going to do. Says the Gemara, Deloker bi ukerabanan minan. Uh, we're okay saying that the Mishnah is not Rabbi, but it's like Hachamim. That's the majority. However, to argue that our Mishnah is choosing the minority opinion, that of Rabbi Uda ben Betera, and not Hachamim lamukminan, we would not establish it. That's the conclusion of our Gemara. It does leave a lingering question, which Shitam Kubeset quotes from Rosh, Maharsha in the back of the Gemara asked this question as well. And that is, so we now arrived at a, a final answer. The final answer was not, per se, that we don't want to be talking about murder. It's that we'd rather not be talking about a case where there's a mahloket, where there's a dispute. You might recall what Tosafot told us, and we can apply that to this case now again. 
What about the following? The first nine people take strikes at this person. They, they hit him in a way that they are hakaot she'en bahen kedeh lehamit. They strike him in a way that he's not going to die. So the first person takes a strike, it, it diminishes, and the next person diminishes, and so forth. And then the final guy takes a strike and kills him. What would the halacha be in such a circumstance? Tosafot told us explicitly that it's like the pit. Tosafot told us, based on the Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin, that the halacha in such a circumstance is, the halacha is that the last person's obligated and not the first nine. Did you not do damage in the first nine? You understand? You're 100, your response initially, Eli, is spot on. That's what we've been saying throughout. In the bench, the first five people didn't do damage, etc. Right? That's what we did in all the cases. We distinguished. That's why I told you that. She keeps distinguishing. Over here, the first nine people struck him. They damaged. Why is that any different than our pit case and our board? Now, again, if, as we were assuming in the Beraita for good reason, the first nine took strikes at him, Kedele Hamit, with power and force and potency to kill him, okay, then that's not the halacha in that circumstance. Each one of them could have killed. Over here, each one of them just brought forth damage. We don't, even according to the Hachamim, think that any of them are liable. They go one after another, and each one of them is just taking a small strike, a weakened strike at him. The halakha in such a circumstance, even according to hachamim, not only the biudab and betera, is that every single one of them is a part of this. There's this one, is there's one difference. Tell me. One, is, one guy takes nine tefachot, and then another guy takes the tenth. Here, it's nine different people took a slug, and then the final guy. Okay, I'll redo it for you, because everyone's going to agree. One person takes nine strikes, and then the te- next guy takes one strike. Okay, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing. Or in the, in the board, nine people, one after another, did it, and then the tenth. It would be the same. I, I hear what you're saying. This is Maharsha's question. Maharsha, no, no, you're good. Yeah, as always. Maharsha here, in the back of the Gemara, he writes, Lahai Shinuya, according to this second answer, the Iba'it Ema, right? Um, that, uh, that we're not dealing with a dispute, we'd rather not. You nonetheless cannot establish Why don't you, commenting on Tosafot, why don't you establish, this is the question we just asked, our Mishnah, as each one of them struck, and, which means there's not strength and potency to kill, and as a result, the tenth guy, even according to the Hachamim, is the only one who's obligated. The Kevan explains Maharsha, De'en barishon kedelahamit, enze hechsharti bemiksat nizko, ela de'aharon asa kol hamita lechayev ala ketala. Ve'en kan shum hayuv al harishon. Says Maharsha cryptically, the difference is when you're dealing with a pit, the first nine got involved in damage. When you're dealing with the person, the first nine were not involved in death. Mabruk, I mean, it's nothing we didn't know that he's telling. What's the depth of Maharsha's words? What's he distinguishing? He's distinguishing between an animal 
and a person and somehow trying to sharpen and strengthen for us this distinction, it seems to me the logic, as Maharsha might have it, as Roshan Shitami Kubetzit might have it, is very different when it comes to a, uh, an animal which dies, ultimately speaking, and a human being who dies, ultimately speaking. When a human being, Lo Alenu, dies, we don't look at that circumstance and situation and say, well, let me see what happened over here. You had nine-tenths damage, and then the tenth-tenth was the final blow in terms of damage, which in fact brought his death. We, don't, we say that with an animal. We don't say that with a human being. We say with a human being, I don't know what happened beforehand, one guy took his life. You fight in the final um, um, looking at this situation, we don't say that there was a combination of the first nine and the final person. We look at this as one person took his life and the other nine are detached from the life taking. When it comes to an animal, it's true, the fact that this animal is now dead as opposed to damaged is significant, but in the scheme of things, death and damage for an animal is not so, so different. Its utility was diminished through damage and its utility is entirely diminished through death. So I can look at it as a continuum, as something that's connected one to the other and say the first nine tenths in terms of digging the pit are connected to the final tenth and as a result I found my case. In terms of the final thing and I'm going to be obligated when it comes to a human being. I'll say the detached one from the other. I can't look at those first nine in terms of the nezek that they're doing in any, as in any way affiliated with the final tenth which brought forth death. Do you follow? That's the distinction between human beings and animals. That's what Maharsha is perhaps suggesting in Ali Himala. Nine guys before the tenth all hit the guy without enough force to kill, then Good. they're obviously not trying to kill the guy. True, but so they damaged him. No problem, but then why would we think he's Hayab Mita? So, like, obviously, no, no, they're not Hayab Mita. Nine led him towards his death, and, listen, finished, and somebody finished it. Listen, to, absolutely. Listen again to the case you've been accepting until until a minute ago, right? You've been accepting. We've been dealing with it three days already. The first nine tenths of the pin will not cause death penalty, the death to the animal if they do it in anomaly. Yes. Nonetheless, we look at them as all connected to number 10. Right? And we say to that extent, even though they were involved in the damage, the 10th supersedes them. He takes it over, the fact that he put in the 10th, the final touch. Right? That's what we've mm -hmm. been accepting. Why is it any different? When it comes to human beings striking, nine guys taking, so to speak, nine tenths of his energy, and then the 10th, and they didn't have the power to kill him, neither did the nine tenths of the pit, and the 10th one is going to be obligated entirely. Why isn't that our case? Mm. And even Hakamim agree over there that only the tenth person is obligated. And so where does where is I'm I'm building the question for him again. You know, you're you're that guy in the back of the class. I heard the answer already. He needs it again. No, anyway, um, the uh, Maharsha is suggesting it's a difference between a human being who dies and an animal which dies. When a human being dies, we don't attach that death to the initial nine tenths of damage. It's a separate act and, and reality which took place at the end. As opposed to when it came to the pit, I can and maybe would have said that the first nine-tenths are connected, let that person be obligated as well. That's the hidush over there by an animal. We don't, by a human so being, we, we never, never would have. figuring out, we were never trying to say the other nine guys with Hayab Mitah. Were we we're, asking that question in the beginning? We were, uh, again, according to Rabbi Uda ben Betera, the final person is, that's when each one of them struck with Kedel Hamid. Uh, that's a Hidush. Even though they all had a strike of death, they all had a 
ten to, uh, ten to fahim, so to speak. Nonetheless, the final. Yeah, right, right. right. That's 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 the human slide in the pit. Right, that's exactly my exact, 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 only animals. It's mm. shor or hamor. It comes to ex- and and again and the logic, by the way, is is quite is quite is, is that a person supposed to be looking at least somewhat where they're walking? That's your pishia. I have a question. Go ahead. In the case of the nine tefachim, the guy can't, comes and builds the tent, and an animal falls in and dies. That last person of hayat. Yes. What if the animal falls in and just gets hurt? As well. Even even though the nine tefachim qualifies as, as being responsible for correct. paying for paying correct, correct, oh, not even takes over the even for damage, he yes. takes over the damage also. Yes, even though the nine is already a damage. According to Hachamim, yes, wow. that's the hidush. Yeah, yeah, understood, understood. That the, the final touch on it, that's the novelty even over damage. here. Even for even damage, it's only on on matter. second person, well, exactly. The first one instigated. Wow. But nine was with it? He instigated, he started. So the first, I, I think the first one and the last one should be the first, because the first one started. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, it goes by the actions. Yeah. All right, says the Gemara onward. Yeah. Says the Gemara onward. Havdi betashlumenizko. The words in our Mishnah, were not havdi benisko, but rather havdi betashlumenisko. Let's define those words. Havdi benisko, the word havdi means I'm obligated. Nisko means it's damage. Now there's an extra word in the Mishnah which the Gemara picks up on very quickly, and that's tashlume. That you and me speaking in a conversation, tashlume means to compensate. Oh, we wouldn't say that's an extra word. I prepared, I set forth, set into motion partial damage, some part of it. I'm obligated to compensate entirely. Oh, that's a nice word. I like it very clear. The Gemara's understanding is that word, to compensate, tashlume, which we'll have to read very literally in a moment, is an extra word. Just say, hafti binisko. I was obligated in the damage, which of course means to compensation. And therefore, well, let's first read the words and then we'll understand the implication. Havti b'tashlumenisko, in the last of the narrow lines, says the Gemara, havti b'nisko, quote-unquote, lakatane. The Mishnah does not say the simple, terse words of havti b'nisko. I'm obligated in the damage. Ela, rather, the Mishnah's words are, quote, and underline the first word, b'tashlumenisko, in the compensation of the nezek. Why is that extra word there? The understanding already, if you take a look at Rashi already, it says, in the, last, in the first of the wide lines at the end, it says, if it had just said that I'm obligated to pay for the damages, it goes as follows and then into the words. The question that we're going to deal with over the course of the next 20 or so lines, and then a little bit beyond, is when the damage occurs from one person's property to another's, and let's say there was an animal involved in terms of damage, who now deals with the dead animal's corpse? Now, this is the very important point. Nobody wants to. It means now skinning it uh, and working the leather and then selling it. There's benefit, but I'd rather take it in money. 
I'd rather not have to exert myself in order to do it. You can eat it. You can give it to dogs. You can give it to dogs, the meat, and you got to do that quickly. We don't have refrigeration that's going to spoil quickly. And you have to work the hides. We talked about that in Masech Bitzah. Nobody wants to do this. If that happens, to my property, what I'd like is just pay me. Take the, take the, it's, it's a, it's an annoyance to have to deal with it. The question is, who does have to deal with it? According to the Torah, when the damage is caused to someone else's animal, that animal, corpse, who's responsible now for what we call pehat nevela, the, uh, the, the, the detriment which is caused to the nevela, to the uh, corpse. The understanding of the Gemara from that word, ironically, of tashlume, is that the nizak, the person who was damaged, your business, you deal with it. So if my animal were to gore your animal and kill it, or my pit, kill it, whatever and so forth, let's, let's leave it as my animal for now. The halakha in that circumstance is that you deal with the nivela, the corpse, whatever value, let's say your animal alive was $200, now it's worth $30, and I finish off, I'm mashlim, that's back to the word. Lehashlim wow. in Hebrew means to fill in. Hashlama means something, shalem means something that's full. So I'm tashlume, tashlume means I fill it in 170. That's the diuk, that's the careful reading of the Gemara. One more time, the Mishnah's words are, I'm responsible for filling, compensating is maybe even the wrong translation. It's filling it out. What do you mean filling it out? You pay him how much you damaged. I don't pay him how much I damaged. I pay him how much I damaged after we calculate that he's holding on to the, uh, the corpse of the animal. Indeed. We're going to deal with the Pesukim in a minute, Charlie. Charlie's on to the Pesukim. The question he says, he remembers the Pasuk says that the animal is Yehiyelo. He wants to know. Whose is it? Obviously, we're defining it right now as the Nizaks. Indeed. Uh, we're going to have to, we don't have logic right now. You're giving me Pesukim already? Fantastic. It's the Gemara will jump to. The Gemara will jump to Pesukim. So the Gemara now says again, Havdi benisko la katane ela betashlumenisko. Says the Gemara, Tanina lehadetanu rabbanan. This is a a, a beraita which is um, supporting uh, our interpretation of the Mishnah. We're about to cite a beraita supplemental to Mishnah, which will read those words in the Mishnah the way we just did. Here's what the beraita detanu rabbanan. After all, the rabbis taught in the beraita, quote tashlumenezek. Those words of Filling in, that's I guess, or, or, or completing damage, dash, melamed, we derive from those words, shehabe'alim, the original owners, metapelim, have to deal with, have to uh, uh, busy themselves with, banevela, with the corpse. Again, it's, uh, it almost feels unfair. And we've been treating, not like a king, we've been treating the, the damaged person, the Nizak, very, very, uh, very justly. We've been giving him metav, etc. Now we say, listen, we're going to help you. There's certain responsibilities you have. Well, like what? You have to deal with the corpse. The person who damaged will fill out the full amount, 200, bringing it 170, but you after the 30, you deal with. Says the Gemara now, What is the source? From where? These words. Where are these words derived from? In other words, what's the sourcing? What's the grounding for this halakha? Uh, we're going to have three sources and then have to challenge why we need three separate sources. The first interpretation, that of Rabbi Ahmed, is from the Pasuk, which talks about a person 
damaging the property or animal of another person. If I get into a boxing match with your um, cow and kill it, uh, the halakha is yeshalemenna. Uh, I have to pay for it. Says the says Rabbi Ame Al Tikre. For some reason, he says, "Don't read it as Yeshalimena. You'll pay for it. Ela Yeshlimena. Rather read it as Yeshlim. Make it full. Uh, that's a." The person who damaged, which is the, uh, the, the subject of the pasuk, needs to pay for, <coughs> excuse me, the animal that it damaged uh, or killed. Uh, well, um, pay for. Instead of reading as pay for, read it as make it full, which means to say there's already something in the cup. What's in the cup? The corpse of the animal. Why are we reading it in such a way? I mean, the pasuk does say yeshalimena. It doesn't say yeshlimena. Yeshlim means to fill out, make full. It's a nice derasha. You're learning halacha from the altikre banaich elabonaich halichot halachot. I mean, it's nice uh, to, to make such derasha, but we're learning a halacha, a significant one. Tosafot ibura matchil yeshlimena explains why we're reading it like this. Yeshlimena explains Tosafot ba'al habor yeshalem enli drosh yeshalem yeshlim. The pasuk that Charlie was referring to, which is a fantastic one, but. He's referring to the words afterwards, which we'll get to. But the initial words in the pasuk over there by the uh, by by a pit, the pasuk says Baal Habor Yishalim. The owner of the pit pays. No diuk to be made from that. Pays means pays. Pays doesn't mean makes full. Listen alternatively to the pasuk that we're dealing with over here. Excuse me. Aval, but in our context, the pasuk says Yishalemena. Yishalemena doesn't just mean you pay. It means you pay it. What do you mean you pay it? It's again, the Pasuk says, if the animal of another person damages another damages another, it sounds like you're paying the animal. Well, I'm paying the animal. I'm filling out the animal. I'm saying that this Yeshalem Ota. What am I paying? I'm paying the animal, the, uh, I'm subtracting the animal from the full amount. The Derashah in short is, why does those last two letters, Nun and He, appear in the Pasuk? Yeshalemena, you pay it, the idea being that I'm paying the complete amount of it, and uh, it itself, meaning the corpse, is a part of that. Okay, that's the first Derashah, Al Tikrei Yeshalemena, Eli Yeshalemena. The next Derashah, Rav Kahna, Mar Mehacha, he reads it instead from a uh, different context, different Pasuk. This Pasuk is in the context of a shomer sachar, I hand you my animal to watch over, but I'm paying you for it. Now the halakha in such a circumstance is, if against, uh, outside of your capabilities, not that you were negligent, it was what's called onus. Uh, something came along in a way that you couldn't have prevented it, and uh, kills my animal, damages my animal, in such a circumstance you're not liable. You need witnesses to prove that, but that's the halakha. Says the pasuk in the Torah, if the Shomer Sachar, I was watching over to your, uh, I'm your, I'm your paid guard for your, uh, your, your barn, and uh, what happened? A uh, fox came and ate your cow. Im tarof yitarif, if an animal from the outside came and hunted down, uh, devoured your animal, yivi'ehu, the pasuk says, ed haterefa, lo yeshalem. The Pasuk says, what I need to bring is witness that the animal was nitraf. The animal was attacked by a fox. I couldn't know. What do you need witness for? Who said it's not because you went to sleep on the job? Who said it's not because you went inside to watch the game? Right? Who knows? So as long as you bring a witness that it was attacked, torn in a way that was outside of your 
normal responsibilities and capabilities, you're okay. We're going to have a fancy dirasha over here as well. The dirasha is going to be, instead of reading it as ed, meaning witness, read it as ad, until. And we're reading it as a result like this. Ad terefa yeshalem, terefa atzma lo yeshalem. In other words, the description is you pay up until, but not including the devoured animal, the torn apart animal. The animal itself, you don't pay for, and that would apply both to Shomer Sachar as, as well as when my animal damages yours. One more time, until, not witness, until terefa, until the value of what's lost. For the corpse, I pay. The corpse itself, I don't pay. The corpse is worth $30, $30 shekels, whatever. I don't pay that. The animal was worth, while alive, 200 I pay 170 That's the other dirasha. The specifics of these dirashot, not important. The context is, we're going to wonder, why do we need three separate dirashot to be the next stage of the Gemara? Lastly, Hizkiyah, Amar Mehacha, will conclude with this dirasha, the pasuk, as uh, Charlie quoted, is Vehamet Yehyelo. The pasuk says, and the the corpse is his. All right, is whose? Lanizak. Oh, it means to the person who damaged, who was damaged. Who said? Uh, that word law, Those words are ambiguous. I say to you, there's a there's a, my animal. Excuse me. One person's animal damages another person's animal. He has to pay entirely, and the corpse is his. His. You talk obviously, about two people. Obviously, the guy watching because you're arguing quite the opposite. As, as, uh, uh, Alan says it must be the person who damaged. That's the hidush over here. So the derasha is no nizat lanizak. The person who got damaged. We're not on, I'm watching anymore. Um, anymore. We're talking about my animal gores your animal. Uh, a gores B's animal. A's animal gores B's animal. Uh, he has to pay entirely for the animal, and the corpse is his. Is whose? So the answer is Lanizak, the person who got damaged. Who said? So to uh, the Beit Midrash of Hizkiah, similar to Hizkiah himself, have this derasha Lanizak. In other words, it's ambiguous. Where are you deriving that when the words in the Pasuk say, and the corpse is his, it means to the person who got damaged. You must say it wasn't like that. Well, you're getting more and more cryptic. What do you mean it wasn't like? Wasn't like what? My lokachaya answers the Gemara Amara What did those words mean? Again, I'm in the midst of explaining to you how I know that means lanizak, the person who got damaged, that the corpse goes to the person who was gored. How do you know that that's lokachaya? It wasn't like this. What does that mean? Amara Baye, Isal Kada Atak Nevela de Mazikavia, Lichtov Rahmana, Shorta Hatashor Vilishtok, Vametielo, Lamali, Shema Mina, Lanizak. The Dirasha, the understanding of Abaye is those words are superfluous. They're extra. They're unnecessarily mentioned. If the pasuk in the Torah just said that, if my ox gores your ox, I pay entirely. I pay entirely means it was worth $200. Now I pay you $200. You're not keeping the corpse. What do you mean? I, uh, I'll walk away with that. I'm giving you $200, which was what the value was initially. Those extra words in the pasuks which say, and the corpse is his, tells me, oh, that's part of the calculation. If that's part of the calculation, clearly the person who gored is not the one who's keeping it, but rather the person who was gored. One more time. The Torah could have and should have just simply said, simply said that I pay for the damage. Chalas, if I'm paying the full amount for the damage, anything that's left over is mine. I'm paying you entirely as if it doesn't exist any longer. Those words, v'amet yelo, tell me it's the Reden Isaac, which means that we conclude with three separate pesukim,
for the potential. We'll review them quickly yeah. tomorrow as to how we know that in a situation where the nevela, uh, the, the corpse is left over, it's the nizak, it's the person who was damaged, who now has to deal with it, skin it and sell it and deal with it. The person who damaged only pays the difference. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen. Amen.